Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. What we're going to do in this series is gather around the topic of relationships. And I'm just curious, how many of you would say you're in a relationship right now? In a relationship? Some of you, it's funny, not everybody raised their hand. I guess um, you do realize that being in a relationship is more than just romantic relationships, right? Lots of times when we think relationships, we think about the ones we're romantic with or intimate with, but the truth is relationships involve our parents. I mean, if you're a child, you're in a relationship. If you're a parent, you're in a relationship. If you're a coworker or a brother or sister, you're in a relationship. And that's why we're calling the series Shape of Your Heart, because what we want to do is gather around this topic of relationships and open it up so that when you think of relationships, you don't just think of those ones you're romantically involved in, but you think of all the relationships in your life. And we're going to hone in on our relationships so that when you hear that phrase, you think about boss and employee, you think about coworker and coworker, you think about brother and sister, you think about all these different things, neighbor to neighbor. And I think we're going to learn some things together. What I'd like you to do if you have your Bibles is go ahead and find your way to the book of Nehemiah and we'll get there in just a minute. The truth is life is brimming over with relationships. So much of our lives, uh, we have all sorts of different relationships and we want to make the bad ones less bad. We want to make the good ones even better. We want to make the unbearable ones more bearable as much as it depends on us. Does that sound like a good idea to anybody, by the way? You feel like you want to improve your relationships? A few of you. Well, here's the, here's the good news is that we all can get better at our relationships. It's not like the art of a good relationship is not a genetically inherited trait. We all have this ability. I know some of you are like, well, I just look past, I know me. And like, I took a personality test one time that said I suck with people. And I just, I really like, I know I'm not good with it. I like really my life's goal to be a hermit, then things would be better for me. Like, I'm just, it's not me. I know me and that's not me. And the reality is I get that we all have different personalities. I understand that some of us were more gregarious than others. Some of us, we uh, enjoy meeting new people and that energizes us, but all of us can improve. That's the good news. In fact, if we really wanna change our relationships, we should really start with ourselves because that's the best opportunity we have to affect change. So what we're gonna do is discover some building blocks to great relationships. And these are things that are universal for every relationship, not just for those of us who are married, not just for those of us who are single, but if you have a difficult situation at work, this is gonna help you. If you're struggling with a family member or with a parent or with a child, this is gonna help you. If you have an annoying second cousin, this is gonna help you. Like Whatever your relationship is, this is gonna help give you some tools to make it better. And so I just want to lay the foundation today by looking at the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is not a very common text when you want to preach on relationships. Normally, when you think of the book of Nehemiah, you think of the wall being rebuilt. And truth be told, most of the book of Nehemiah is about the wall being rebuilt, and it describes that undertaking. But the truth is, it's a great book about relationships because what you see is Nehemiah has to deal with all these people in order to accomplish this task. Now, where I'm going to start, I'm going to take a little different 
approach. Because rather than talk about all the people coming together and how the wall was built up, I want to start in Nehemiah chapter 8 today, where God is speaking to his people and building them up. So if you have your Bibles and found your way there, turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 4, and then we'll get into this. It says, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, you know, I could pronounce all these names, but I just feel like you would judge me for my pronunciation, so we'll just summarize here. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So up until this point, even though God has done a lot of great things for the people, they were still pretty clueless about the things of God and the ways of God. So it wasn't enough just for them to have a powerful platform experience. Ezra knew that they needed to make some connections. They needed to understand it. So I want to speak to you from this subject today, and this is my title, if you're taking notes. I'm calling this message, Put It Together. Put It Together. And if you would, I want you to find just three people next to you, give them a fist bump, tell them, you got to put it together. You got to put it together. You got to put it together. And if you don't like that title, I do have a second one for you. On our first sermon about relationships, you could also call this Missed Connections. All right, let's pray. And God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak to us. And I'm asking, God, that you will speak again. God, help me to communicate your truth. I don't just want to communicate something that I've prepared. I want you to use me and let your words go forth, God, and speak to each heart here. God, I believe you will. I know you will. We thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Hey, how many of you would consider yourself uh, organized, tidy people, tidy people? Be proud about it. Raise your hand. That's something to, be, something to shout about. I, I, I agree. My son is, that is not true. That is a lie right now. Um, I, uh, I would like to consider myself, you know, organized. Uh, Marissa would disagree. She just takes it to another level. I think if you have piles on the floor, that's organized. I mean, they're all in a pile. Anybody agree with that? Uh, my wife, though, like, it's, it's extreme. I mean, you see this when you take a look in her closet. I say her closet because it's really our closet, but nine-tenths of it are hers. So I think just by percentage-wise, she, uh, she, she gets to own it. But, like, in, in her closet, uh, all of her clothes... They're, they're all, you know, color-coordinated. They're all facing the same way. They, they all have identical hanger. Like, somebody just got saved when I said that. That's, <laughs> but it, it's, it's great because as much as, like, she has this vision of an immaculate house. I mean, my, my wife, she's, she, she's clean, immaculate, sanitary, salubrious would be a good word. I mean, she, she, she really keeps a clean house, but this isn't going to make sense if, you don't live with small humans under the age of 10. But we have these other people in our house that think that the floor is a trash can. 
It's like the, I can see exactly where my kids have been the moment I come home from work because I just follow the trail of breadcrumbs and candy, candy wrappers from the pantry to the living room, up the stairs to their bedroom, into the closet where they are building a foyer. It's, it's chaos. It's amazing how fast things can go from, from clean to chaos at our house. And in so many ways, that's really a picture of relationships where we have this vision of what we want it to be and how quickly things can break down. That we, we envision a hope of what our relationship should be, but it's a lot different than what we have. And in so many ways, that's the picture of things in Nehemiah. The walls prior to Nehemiah chapter 8 had been broken down for over 140 years. And uh, where we're reading now in Nehemiah chapter 8, we're getting a glimpse of revival. Now, when I say revival in church, that has a certain connotation, but really just a simple definition for you of revival is to make dead things come alive or to improve the condition of something. Maybe that's a great word to describe what we would like to see happen in our relationships. Maybe uh, in a marriage or a romantic relationship, you feel like uh, the love that was once there has died. Or maybe even just within friends and family and loved ones, you feel like, the relationship has been strained to the point where you would just like to see some improvement. You would like it to get better. And where we jump into this, the walls have been rebuilt, but now God is laying a foundation of his truth in the people's lives. And in order to do that, he needs them to make a connection. He needs them to understand what's happening. And maybe it would help us to understand one thing about the book of Nehemiah is that the book of Nehemiah is really a, it's a book about connections. I mean, Nehemiah is nothing if not well-connected. You see this in the very first chapter when he receives news about the walls of Jerusalem being broken down from his brother Hanani, who comes and shares this with him. Uh, it impacts Nehemiah so, uh, in such a deep way. He, he breaks down, he starts crying. You see that Nehemiah was a guy who was connected to his roots. He, he still had a heart for where he came from. It's not just his connection to his roots, though. He was also connected in his position. He was the cupbearer to a king, which put him in relationship with influential people. And actually, it was because of this relationship and because of this position, it was because of this connection that he had a lot of responsibility. And so Nehemiah, he was connected to his roots. He was connected in his relationships, connected to his responsibility. And because of that, he got connected to resource. Because it wasn't just enough for King Artaxerxes to send him on his way to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem on his own. He, he gave him letters of safe passage and he gave him the hookup with the guy who had all the building supplies that he would need. So Nehemiah, it's a book about connections. I mean, just, just even think about the fact that the walls of Jerusalem, which had been needed to be rebuilt for over 140 years, the building didn't start until Nehemiah got there and connected the priests, the nobles, and the officials. I mean, don't just assume that these people got along. They had been there all along, but the work didn't start until Nehemiah connected them. So he was, a, he was connected, but he was also a connector. And I think that one connection we need to make is that often the things that we want to see God do in our relationships don't happen because we've missed 
some connections. We've missed some connections. And a connection that I want to point out to you is that and in this chapter we read, Nehemiah 8, the revival that we read about was not ready to begin until something had been rebuilt. See, the problem is we want to have better relationships before we've built anything. We want to see revival in our relationships before we've done any reconstruction. And so the question I want to ask you is, are you a builder? Are you a builder? Go ahead and just ask somebody, are you a builder today? Because that's the essence of this text. Are you a builder? The, the people, they knew that things could be better. They, they knew that things were in ruins, that this wasn't what they wanted, that they had a vision of how things could be, but revival only happens after they went to work. See, if, if you want to have better relationships, you are going to have to work on it. You, you, you got to work on it. And so much of our problems and our relationships stem from the fact that we think things are going to be good simply by the very nature of the fact that we are in the relationship. Well, I'm, I'm in one. I mean, it, sh it should be all right. And we don't realize that we have a stake in the matter, that we can improve them. You got to understand that great relationships are not turnkey. They don't happen automatically. They take work. They take effort. And here's the first thing I want to tell you is that you'll never find a perfect relationship, but you can build a great one. You'll never find a perfect relationship, but you can build a great one. Just by nature of being in a relationship, you are not going to find a perfect one. Well, what, what makes me say that? Because you're in it. I mean, by definition, a relationship involves two parties. It involves two people. And all of us have our flaws. All of us have imperfections. All of us have baggage. All of us have brokenness. Even if you have the perfect dad, Reese. <laughs> it's still going to be problems because we're flawed. Even if you have the perfect boss, there's still going to be issues because you're flawed. The perfect employee. The, 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 the perfect child, like there are going to be issues because you're in it. So you can't find a perfect relationship, but you can build a great one. The, the problem is we come into the relationship with a picture of what it's supposed to be. And the moment we get in it and we see that it doesn't measure up with what we expect, uh, our, our, our first response is just throwing the towel. This isn't what I thought I should. This isn't the picture that I had. In my mind, I mean, we do this in all areas with our, like I do this in my life with so many areas. I, I imagine you do the same thing. Like I can be crushing it in 10 different areas. I can be winning. I can be, you know, leading the church great and, and I can be a great husband and I, I, I can be doing great things and leading the team well and being related and doing all these things, be getting my fitness in, being disciplined and then failing in one area. And you know what I think about? The one area where I'm not measuring up, the one area where I'm falling short of my expectations, the, the one area that I, I feel like I failed and then all I can think about is that I'm a failure. Confession time, all right? I was not the greatest dad this past week. 
Now, I don't want you, it's not like I beat my kids or anything. I might have thought about it, but I didn't, all right? Never ha- I don't plan on doing it. I'm just saying, it's not, it's not like I did something evil. It's just there may have been a day this week where I forgot to feed them dinner. It's all right. I mean, they survived. It's not like that big a deal. You know, they had plenty of snacks and candy. I'm just saying, like, I had a lot going on this week, and it may have slipped my mind. And the point of the fact of the matter is, is that, that if I don't work, there's going to be a lot more days where they don't have dinner. So sometimes I got to work. But I may not have been the, the best dad this week. And, and um, so, you know what, this week, I just I determined I'm, I'm going to be an excellent dad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lot better. In fact, I bought something. Uh, would you hand that to me? I, I bought something. Uh, for my kids this week. I haven't even showed this to you yet, Reese, but um, I was walking through the store and uh, I, I saw this, uh, this cool monster truck and I thought, you know, man, that looks like fun. I thought uh, after church today, like you and I could have some time and, and maybe your brothers, if, if uh, they don't annoy us too much. Um, I thought, you know, we could take this out and, uh, and we, could, we could, you know, like jump it over some ramps and maybe like, you know, let it go down the stairs or something like that. So uh, I just thought, man, my, my kids are gonna love this. Like, like this is gonna be, I, I just, I got this picture of, you know, what we could, what we could do. And I wanna take this thing out and just see, see what it looks like here. Because I just, I couldn't wait to see this thing. must not be right. I think they sent me a broken toy. (laughs) I might have to take this thing back to Target because This doesn't look like this. Because see, this is really what our relationships are like. I have a picture that, you know, my marriage is going to look like this, but instead of getting married, all I got was a piece. Like I had a picture of raising my kids. And, you know, I'm going to raise them to be world changers. But first I got to change a diaper. What, what do you do when the picture comes in pieces? And, and, and the pieces don't look like the picture. You know, the crazy thing about it is that these pieces, it looks like it's broken. But maybe, maybe it's broken on purpose. Because, I mean, this thing, like, it's got holes in it. it, 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 it it's all, all apart. But you know what I realized? Is that it's broken so you can build with it. That's great. it, it it's, it's got some deficiencies 
so that you can be connected to each other. And so many times we, we're looking at our relationship and we're like, this doesn't look like the picture I had in mind. And what we don't realize is that you can build something great with broken pieces. You, you can build a great relationship. Not all of them are the same. And so you've got to learn to put it together. See, every relationship has the potential to be something great but you've got to be willing to put the time in to build something with it. And the things my kids have taught me is that the building never stops. Like, like even after you get to this point, you're going to have to keep building because usually what happens is something comes along to break it. Hashtag brothers, right? Or you get an idea of, I, I got a, an idea of, of how I can make this better. And this isn't just with your marriage, it's with your children, it's with every relationship. That's why you have to make a commitment to be here every week of this series. And here's what I'm gonna ask you. I'm only gonna ask you to commit to three of these four weeks, all right? I understand that sometimes you gotta take your kids to a basketball game. I understand there's gonna be that thing that's already on your calendar that's gonna take you out of town. I get that, all right? Those things are important. On those weekends, you can catch the podcast. But for three of the four, you need to be here because this is gonna help us in our relationship. Every week, I'm gonna give you a key to improve your relationship, not just your marriage, not, not, not just you know with your kids, every relationship, at work, in the classroom, on the team, every relationship. In fact, I want you to get in your mind right now that relationship that needs some work that relationship that doesn't match the picture in your mind. Think about that relationship. And I want you to think about that relationship that you're gonna bring, not just your significant other, but invite your mom, invite your dad, invite that person in your life. And together, we're gonna make some improvements on our relationships because we owe it to the people in our lives to be the best we can be, right? We need, we need to be better because relationships matter. And so... I'm not suggesting that your relationship is gonna change overnight. I'm not suggesting that what took you a year of getting into is gonna be fixed in two weeks, but I can promise you that your relationships are going to improve and they'll improve enough that it'll give you confidence that if God can make that better, then he can even do something with the broken pieces that you thought were too messed up to do anything with. That's why I wanna tell you my second point. In fact, Reese, get up here. I want you to help me build this thing, all right? Will you build this thing? Show us what to do with this. Something going wrong in a relationship doesn't mean that something is wrong with the relationship. Something going wrong in a relationship doesn't mean that something is wrong in the relationship. It just means that we need to work on it. It, it, it just means that it's gonna take some effort and sometimes we, we throw things away because it doesn't look like what we expect. Now, hold on, what are you doing in a minute? What are you doing? What, what's this? We got instructions. Well, you don't need that, you got the picture. That's all you need. <laughs> Just, you've got the picture of what it's supposed to look like. Just put the pieces together. Oh. So, so maybe, 
maybe what you're telling me is that when Ezra is on the platform, let me give that back to you, and, and we see this revival about to break forth and people are allowing their minds and their wills to be shaped to what God wants. Maybe there's something we missed because let's look at what he says. Nehemiah 8.6. It says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they had a great church service. Everybody's lifting their hands. Everybody's into it. I want to preach at this church. This sounds amazing. But notice the next verse. It says, the Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. They gave them instructions and made it clear so that people could make a connection, so that people could put it together. In other words, it's not enough just to have a powerful platform experience. It was what happened after amen that created change. It was the instruction. It was making the connection. Now, I'm not saying that what happens on the platform isn't important. I think that our worship should be powerful. I think it should move us. I think the preaching should be tight. I think that's all right. But it's not the preaching. It's not the platform. It's not coming to church. It was the instruction it was making the connection. It says they instructed the people, and it says they made it clear. And the reason we have trouble building great relationships is because we've got a picture, and we've got some pieces, but we're missing instruction. And this is where we come to church, and, and, and we love the preaching, but we forget the principles. We love the platform, but ignore the process. It's not pieces that we're missing. It's not the building blocks that we're missing. You have the building blocks to a great relationship right now. What you're missing is some instruction. It's where we come to church and we call ourselves a Christian but we don't allow God's word to shape our heart and affect the way we live and affect the way we talk. It's not the bricks we're missing, it's the connection. It's, it's putting it together. We've got the pieces. We've just missed the connection. We need the instruction. But when we have the instructions, we can make the right connections. And then we see you're not very far on this, but, but then we see the picture in our heart begin to take shape. Hey, thanks for your help. You can go sit down. All right. It's what happens after the amen. It's what happens outside and off of the platform, outside of this room. It's kind of like I've been, um, I've been really trying to be disciplined with my workouts I started in November. I've been like going like four times a week, sometimes five times a week I've been going. 
and really trying to be disciplined. And the guy I've been working with, um, you know, we've been talking, honestly, it's like, man, I don't really know if I'm seeing the results that I want to see. And uh, we were talking about just different things. And he's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter how hard you work in here. What really matters is what you do out there. I said, what do you mean? Well, you can't out-train a bad diet. So then I ate a donut and punched him in the face. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? You can't out-train a bad diet. Can I tell you, you can't out-pray a bad process. You can't out-pray bad patterns. So some of you, you're, you're praying that God would help you in your relationship because every time you get into an argument, you start cussing each other out. What you need is a more prayer. You, you need to learn to control your tongue. Some of you, your, your fights are all about, because you're stressed out about money. What you need isn't prayer. You need a different word. It's called a budget. That, that's what you need. You, you can't outpray some of this. Sometimes it's what happens after amen. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. It's this. Because so many times we're focused on what's missing. But I would tell you, it's not that something is missing in our relationships. Often we just haven't built with what we have. We haven't built with what we have. In so many ways, you see what you choose to see. And sometimes all we can see is what we don't have. I wanted the picture, but all I've got is this. I, I wanted to be happy but all I've got is that it's, it's not right for fathers to treat their kids this way. I didn't want to be abandoned. And when that's all you can see, that's all you'll ever have. But is it possible you've become so familiar with the pieces, so familiar with what you don't have, that you're missing the potential of what you do have. Because the pieces, they don't look like the picture. And you can get stuck in one part of your life because all you can see is what you're missing. See, I, I realized this this past Christmas when my kids all got a bunch of Legos and um, basically what that meant is I was gonna be building them for the next five hours. And uh, I was working with my son Oliver because he got this big, you know, like thousand piece thing and we're working on it, we're putting it together and we'd probably gotten 80, 90% of the way through it and I'd had enough and I said, boy, you're gonna have to do this on your own because I've got other things I wanna do with my life and uh, he starts putting it together and he starts freaking out because he can't find the piece. He said, Dad, I'm, I'm missing this. I can't finish it because I need this piece and I can't make it look like the picture. So, well, take a break, come back. And he, had, he was crying, he was distraught, he was really frustrated over this whole thing. After about a couple hours, we went back and I was ready to help him again. And I kind of got him going, got him. I said, let's just, you know what, let's just, we, we can't find this piece, let's just turn the page. And maybe that's God's word for you. You're stuck 
where you're at and what you need to do is turn the page and keep moving. And so we turned the page and we, let's just try and, and build the next piece of this. And he got going and started putting it together. I kind of got him started and I left him to go do something else. And about 10 minutes later, he said, Dad, I found the piece. I said, that, that's awesome. Where was it? It was there all along. It was, it was hidden in, inside the, it was there all along. It was, I, I just didn't see it, but I found it when I started building with what I had. See, it's not the missing pieces that keep you from realizing the potential of your relationships. It's your failure to put it together. It's your failure to take the pieces, whatever shape, form, the things that you think are broken, the things that you think are missing, and just begin to build with it. In fact, this even encourages me when I think about how God works in our lives with relationships. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus, who came here with a mission, came here to save you. You've heard me talk before how God has a purpose for your life. It's not an accident that you're here, not an accident that you're on this earth or that you're here right now. And for the things that he wants you to walk out, it's gonna take people in your life. Some of you are like, I just, I just I'm, I'm not good with people. I don't have any people. I'm not gonna try because I'm just better by myself. But God had a mission for Jesus. God has a mission for you. But yet when Jesus came to earth, you re recognize, realize he didn't come with a pre-assembled team. In fact, one of the first things he did before he started his ministry was he started gathering people and assembling his team and putting it together. In fact, the people that he chose were not really the best and the brightest. They were not the super apostles. They, they were not the ones that people would go. They, they were broken people. They had some dysfunction. God said, Jesus said, I'm going to build with that. If God didn't provide people fully formed and ready to go for Jesus, why would he do the same thing for you? See, he, he expects us to build with what we have. And the people in your life right now, I'm telling you, it's not that they're the wrong relationship. You just need to build with what's there. The, the parents that you have, I'm not saying they're perfect. They're not. But you can still build on what's there. The relationship you're in, I'm not saying it's perfect. It's not. But you can build on what's there. And if you'll never find the perfect relationship. But you can build a great one if you put it together.